Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Amen, yes. Yes, 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 be seated. It is a glorious Pentecost day. And we get to celebrate with the story of Pentecost. So hear now these words from Acts chapter 2. When Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they're full of new wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everywhere and living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So get used to this passage. We're going to spend a whole month in it. Uh, The series that we're in this month is One Word, Many Voices. And what we're going to do is look at how this passage can be understood from a lot of different perspectives. Hopefully it's going to help us understand one another and understand our world better. Because ultimately that is what this story is about. It is about people understanding each other better. And in this story we get to see how obstacles of understanding are overcome. 
Now, in the first century, a key obstacle of understanding was differences in language, especially as this international festival gathers together. And to some extent, there there is the difficulty of mobility. But the great thing about Pentecost happening in this moment and the gospel being shared in this moment is that then people will be able to carry the story back to their homes, back to all those places that were mentioned in the story that we just heard today. So God overcomes that obstacle by empowering the story to be heard and understood in the different languages and then empowering the people from all the nations to return home and share the story there. What is the obstacle or what are the obstacles that have to be overcome in the 21st century? It is less language and it's certainly not mobility. What we have to overcome is differences in life experience through history and because of the speed at which our world changes now. That's what's creating so many differences of understanding is that people have these very different life experiences because the world has changed so rapidly in the last 100 years. To give us kind of a a metaphor for understanding that. You know, Johann Gutenberg invented the the printing press, which allowed for movable type and, and mass distribution of written materials in 1450. In 1450, the literacy rate was estimated to be somewhere between 15 and 20%. Public education comes as a significant force to the United States in the 1800s and by 1900 was widespread throughout our nation. And yet in 1917, the literacy rate in the U.S. was 23%. Between 1917 and now, though, the literacy rate is now 88%. In 500 years, the literacy rate changed less than 10%, even though they had, technically, the technology to change it. And yet, in the last 100 years... It has changed by 65%. That changes the world and the world's understanding. In our church, our oldest member is Evelyn Kelly. She's probably watching us right now. Hey, Evelyn. She's 101 years old, born in 1921. Our youngest member may have just been baptized. Born 100 years apart. Both of them in the shadow of a pandemic. But other than that, not much in common between their childhoods. Not much at all. And that's the thing. Our generations that are alive today didn't just grow up in different times and different places. They grew up on different planets. It's not the same earth it was a hundred years ago. And the gospel has to speak into that reality here and now. The gospel has to be, has to be shared with seven alive generations who all see the world in very different ways. And that's the thing about the gospel is it's not just conveying a story, it's conveying values. And values are shaped by experience and how we receive values and whether we can receive values is also shaped by our experience. And we have 
seven different realities of common experiences alive today. So how do we speak into a place in which we lack a common experience? We need a new Pentecost. And pen, thank you. Pentecost starts with understanding each other. That's where it starts. That's what happened, was increased understanding. So, now this is how we typically understand the generations. If my generation were a meme, if my generation were a meme, this would be my meme. Anybody know what I am? I'm Gen X. I'm in the dead center of the generations. And we are often portrayed as people who just sit around and eat popcorn and watch boomers and millennials fight with each other (laughs) and watch the world burn while we're watching MTV. Well, used to watch MTV. It's not MTV anymore. That's how we're portrayed. And, And there's some value. Does anybody want popcorn? I'm going to put it right here for now. Um, Only Gen Xers, right. Um, There's some value to to humor and and that conveying a message, but but what sometimes happens when we we look at that, when we see our generations in those terms, is that that instead of understanding, what we get is mischaracterization, right? What we get is misunderstanding. What we get is judgmental realities of each other. What we get is criticism of one another. And condemnation. Instead, what if we listened to each other's experiences? Well, first, let's look at who the generations are today. We have a a slide to show you um, who the generations are, so everyone knows what we're talking about. Um, So the silent generation, um, or those that were born before 1946, there are a few left over of the greatest generation, which would have been born before like 1920, there are a few of those still alive, but the silent generation would be basically from 1920 to 1946. The boomers are 1946-1964. Is 2012 to, we have not figured out what the end of their generation is yet. Okay? So those are the generations that are alive. And like I said, there's a, there, there are a few of the greatest generation alive, and that's what makes us have seven. But these are, these are a significant number of folks all alive at the same time. And so what I want to do now is, is kind of reflect on What was profound about how those generations came of age? Because when our um, late childhood and early adulthood happens, when that happens, that's when those values are really deeply formed. And the experiences that we have in those moments deeply and profoundly shape how we view the world. So let's think about that. And let's start with the silent generation. so they're, they're called the silent generation because they just like to keep it cool, right? Don't like to rock the boat, and let's see why. Um, they came of age at a time right after they, they, their childhood was spent in the Great Depression. 
And then they came of age at the end of World War II. And as a result of that, they saw, they experienced the reality that worldwide destruction could actually occur. With the dropping of the atomic bombs right as they're entering adulthood, they realized if we don't keep it level, we can end this. And so that's why they're the keep, keep calm and carry on generation. They literally mean it. Stay calm. Don't cause any trouble. Because if you cause trouble, the world could be over. They're also known as an incredibly patriotic generation. But let's think about that patriotism. patriotism. They came of age at a time when the U.S. was significant in saving the world from tremendous evil. When the U.S. united all together and worked towards that common good. And that patriotism that they are often sometimes accused of by younger generations is not simple. It is incredibly complex. And it was costly. Most of them lost parents or siblings or loved ones in that fight. They don't ever forget the sacrifice that was made for the good of the world. Boomers. Boomers, um, often portrayed as a self-centered generation, but why? They were the generation of civil rights. Yeah, yay! Y'all, most of the significant changes in civil rights that have occurred that we all stand on today and that we grow from now were started by the boomers. They, 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 they did so much for minorities, for women, for the disabled. They led that charge. Sometimes people um, accuse them of not wanting to back the civil rights movements of today. But have you ever talked to them? Have you ever sat down and asked them what it was like to live through the 1960s? I used to serve in West Memphis. And when I first got to West Memphis, I was told almost my first week there that I could not talk about the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination. Which I kind of sat back and was judgy and thought, well, it's just because you're a bunch of racists. That was not the case at all. They have racism over there, like everywhere has racism still. But once I sat down and listened to them, they remember what that week was like. They were there when there were riots in the military, and they were afraid that they weren't going to come home. When their resistance to the protests that are happening, maybe it's trauma. Maybe it's trauma that they're dealing with. And maybe it's also having to face that their life's work didn't fully succeed. And there's some heartbreak in that. Gen X is your Pentecost generation. Thank you. The reason that I say that is we are right in the middle. (laughs) 
And we understand the lives of all the generations because we stood in all the spaces. I like to call us the the generation of metal slides and PC computers, right? I I slid down the metal slides and the little merry-go-rounds of death, you know, that we had as children. Um, But also got my first computer when I was in fourth grade. It was a TI-99, and I was trained on a Commodore 64 at school. Yeah, the Gen Xers are getting it. Um, So we are that bridge between a pre-technological era and a fully technological era. We speak both languages. And so we can help each other understand each other. We got you all. We got you. And also, we don't actually really enjoy being portrayed as the generation that just sits back and does nothing we're an incredibly entrepreneurial generation, and I like to say this. I like to say, you know, um, boomers claim to have invented the Internet, and millennials made it cool. But Gen X built it. We did. We built it. So the infrastructure of the world that everyone stands on today, that's Gen X that did that. Millennials get accused of being avocado toast people. <laughs> but let's think about that avocado toast, shall we? What it is is, is a desire to be healthier. They, they want things local sourced because they believe local has a chance to really save and change the world. They've, they've moved us into organic. They, they're the movement that brought life back down to downtown, y'all. We love the millennials, right? They... They said, we need to build around community. And they have this incredibly idealistic conception of the world that they can, in fact, change the world. And do it in ways that recenter us around values of simplicity and family and hometown. That's millennials. Gen Z, I said Gen X was entrepreneurial. And we, we, we are, but we got nothing on Gen Z. Um, I, I saw a TED talk once about a professor who she taught a class that every every freshman was required to take at their university and it taught them basic study skills. But it also kind of was to help shape them into a good citizen. And so there was a service learning requirement as part of the class. And so she was talking about this service learning requirement. And for years with the millennials that she had worked with, they were all very excited and came up with places to volunteer for. And yay, we're going out and changing the world. Um, when Gen Z hit hit the college campuses, and she explained the service learning requirement to them. One of them raised his hand and said, so the nonprofit that I own, when I work for that, um, does that count? And she laughed. And then she looked around the room as everyone was waiting. And she said, how many of you all own nonprofits? And half the class raised their hand. Because they're not waiting around for the world to change. They're just doing it. They're just doing it. Generation Alpha, it's still a little hard to tell. But they're going to be the masked generation. That's going to influence how they interact with each other. Because that three years of being masked, two two and a half years of being masked, is going to have shaped their reality. When you hear some of the stories from the daycare about how um, the kids don't want to take their masks off. It's what they've always known. They're more comfortable with masks on. Um, 
But are they going to be a generation a lot like the silent generation that understands the common good? Because they collectively did something for everyone. This is the reality that we all stand in and and how encouraging to hear what all of these generations bring to the table. And the church is an incredible place to be because more than probably any other organization, we are multi-generational by design. All of those generations are in our church. All of them. Which gives us an opportunity to really, as we understand each other and as we live life together, really, really speak each other's languages. And then we can carry that out to the world and say, let's not, let's not compete with one another. Let's not judge one another. Let's work together. And I will tell you that this church is being intentional about, about that work. Um, one is the church picnic today. Everybody's invited. And everybody has a place in it. Everybody can eat. Um, some of us can kick for kickball, but all of us can cheer. And I encourage us while we're at that church, church picnic, ask someone you don't know very well. Go up to them and ask, what was a church gathering like when you were a kid? Or if you're asking a kid, what do you think about this? Is it, you know, what's, what's fun about this for you? And start sharing those stories. And along those lines, not this Sunday, because we've got the church picnic, but next Sunday, on Zoom only, and we're not going to broadcast it on Facebook because I want it to be a place where people can really share life with one another. We'll put this out in our e-news, and we'll make it available there. Um, you can click on the Zoom link, and we're calling it um, Sunday Night Summer Story Time at 7. We'll have a different topic every week. Next week's going to be family vacations because a lot of you are, some of you are on them right now. Um, we're going to talk and just anybody can hop in and share a story about a funny family vacation or a, a wonderful family vacation you had or a terrible family vacation you had. And we're just going to listen to each other tell stories. Just whoever wants to show up. So we can hear about each other's lives. And we'll do, like I said, we'll do a different topic every week through the summer. And then um, we also have, we're working on an Adopt-A-Grand program where if you're a family that's separated from grandparents or you're a grandparent that's separated from grandkids and you want to be matched with a family in our church, you can spend some time together. Brooke's working on that and getting that together. And then I, I was going to send invitations out for this in the spring, but then I decided this, this population works a little bit better on the school calendar. So we're going to start it in August, but... Some of you will get an invitation to be part of a leadership development cohort, and it is intentionally intergenerational. So if you're young and you get an uh, invitation to that, don't think, oh, they don't want to hear me. Yes, we want to hear your voice. And if you're older and you think, oh, you know, my time leading is done, it's not. We need all the generations there so we can have all perspectives represented. So if you get that invitation to that cohort, I encourage you to be part of it. But in the meantime, I just, I wonder, can we listen? Can we hear it? Can we hear the potential for greater understanding of one another? 
When we have greater understanding, we have greater capacity to love. We have greater capacity to change. We have greater capacity to do powerful and meaningful things together. Listen that we may hear. When you hear me, I feel understood. But also, can we listen in a way in which we understand one another? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.